What is something you have done in your life that you're really proud of? What is the grand work you have completed? This is Wednesday, November 1st, and yesterday we looked at the challenges to work, the curse that came with the fall of humanity. We're continuing in our Gospel and Work study where we look at the Gospel and begin to understand how Jesus changes the way we live our lives. Maybe you've had that question in your life. What have I done? What have I really accomplished in life? I remember years ago first reading about job satisfaction in America, learning about jobs that leave people feeling fulfilled and content, feeling like they've done something important. I expected the top of the list to be surgeons, or perhaps lawyers, maybe teachers, or even pastors. But no, the top of the list was actually long-distance truck drivers. You've got to be kidding me. How could this be the case? Well, they enjoy their work and have a high degree of satisfaction because first, well, they're carrying the goods that help America function. They know their work is needed. But second, also because they have the goal of so many miles for the day, and they can see if they've met their goal. They can see their progress each day. And so many other jobs leave people wondering what they actually got done on any given day, or whether they're doing anything that matters at all. And that leads us to our scripture text. This is Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Now, when we read these words of the Apostle Paul from almost 2,000 years later, they sound shocking to us, and they should, for a number of reasons. Well, first, Paul had to deal with the reality before him at the time in the Roman Empire. Nearly one in five people in the country were slaves. Most of them were captured people or their children who were forced into lifelong bondage. Their lot usually depended on the character of their owner. Many lived without hope of ever being liberated, although many also had the opportunity for faithful lives. Of course, we find slaves among some of the first who responded to the gospel. They saw that they could have freedom in Christ despite their condition, and their hearts could be free even when their hands were owned. And that's what many thought of them. They thought of them as hands. They were a commodity that could be bought and sold and traded like any other property. In most cases, the owners had the power of life and death over them. So we may wonder, why did Paul not here and now denounce slavery? We see the law of God had already done that. It spoke strongly against man-stealing, as they called it. It is true that the Jews had slaves, but these were people who became slaves for a limited amount of time and only to work off their debts. If we want to see how Christianity addressed slavery, we must look no further than that little book in the New Testament, the book of Philemon. It's the story of how a slave named Onesimus returned to his owner Philemon, not as a slave, but as a dear brother. The two became brothers in Christ through the ministry of the Apostle Paul and had changed their relationship forever. 
Now, in our text today, it might shock us also that the work of slaves could ever be seen in any positive way. But notice that even there in the bonds of slavery, work can be done with sincerity of heart and with reverence for the Lord. Yes, Paul doesn't say, you need to change your circumstances if you hope to honor God. You know, often we tell ourselves that. When I get into the right job, well, then I'll be able to do my work to the glory of God. When I reach a position of leadership, then I can serve God through my work. But no, being able to reverence God has little to do with where we find ourselves. I think of how one of the reformers said that a diaper could be changed to the glory of God, or how Brother Lawrence, a cook at a medieval monastery, learned he could turn his simple little omelet to the glory of God. This means that all work can be a means of worship, performing heart surgery, designing a building, laying bricks, repairing an air conditioning unit, whatever work God has put before you. This means that while we have earthly supervisors, we also have a Father in heaven who delights to see us come before him, whether in an operating room or with our hands in a fuse box. Now, those words about obeying our earthly master in everything seem strong, and they are. Of course, whatever earthly masters we have do not displace God as the one we first serve and obey. Jesus is Lord of all. But whatever not in conflict with God's commands, we follow the directions of our earthly supervisors. And we don't do this to curry favor with them, but because Jesus is Lord and he has asked us to do so. I want to go back to our opening question. What is your grand work? Maybe you have an accomplishment that stands out, a success story that you can share. That's great. I think that the thrust of the gospel is not to play the hero, but to do all things to the best of our ability and for the glory of God. Why do we do that? You know, that word used to describe the life of Jesus is the same as the one for a slave. Yes, I know we translate it servant, But that's what Jesus made himself. Here's what we're told in Philippians chapter 2. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. That's that word for slave. Being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, where God has placed you is the place from which, the only place actually, where you can glorify him. You cannot glorify him from a place where you're not. So look and see the place where God has called you to work and see yourself as his servant there. Let's pray. Lord, forgive us for thinking that it's not today, but when we get to the perfect place that we can serve you. Remind us we can honor you from right where we are, for we pray in the name of Jesus, who made himself the servant of all. Amen.